The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to Benched with Bubba, episode 33. This is a special one. This is the Masters Preview Edition. And I am joined not by one person, not by two people, but by three golf experts. Yes, I'm going to say golf experts just to really make the pressure on these guys. No, but I'm going with three really good golf guys to discuss pretty much the best tournament in, in golf, if not maybe 1A, 1B type stuff. We'll kick it off before I keep blabbering. We have from the sportsdegens.com, Jesse. You can find him on Twitter at DFS Golf Gods. We have Kevin. You can find him on Twitter at Kevin's Delight. And we have a special guest, not from the Sports Degens, but a good friend in our Junkies Golf League. We have Sheridan, Sheridan Sims. How are we doing? All three of you guys. Great. Good evening, guys. Doing good, man. Glad to be here, Bubba. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks. I know uh, Jesse's had a couple. Probably did the Ryder Cup and a little golf preview. And we wanted to go big or go home with this one, so we had to bring in all the guns. And um, (laughs) so let's kick it off. Before we get into the Masters, something we've been dabbling in in our little private chats is FanDuel PGA as it's hit the market (laughs) and taking a little while for people to start playing, let alone figure it out, because I still don't know what it is how it works um we'll kick it off whoever wants to start off with this how do you feel it's kind of impacting the dfs market and how long do you think before people kind of really get in the rhythm of playing it regularly i'll, I'll start i mean you know i i don't know they, they their setup is so much different than anything else that has been put out in the in the golf uh fantasy world um that it has taken a little while i think for uh, for it to catch on. But over the last two weeks, the more that I've played it, actually, the, the more that I've liked it. Um, and they have some really, really big contests for the Masters. So I have a feeling that, uh, you know, it, it might it might take off this week. Um, previous to now, it's been kind of, you know, one of those things where you're um, – there's a lot of uh, overlay, but I, I think that, that stuff will change now. I know Kevin has dabbled in a little bit as well. Yeah, Kevin, what, yeah. what are your thoughts on it? It's been fun until all the carnage this weekend. Uh, <laughs> you know, it seems like, like everyone's been really high on the uh, the scrubs rounds one and two, and the stars three and four, and mm-hmm. and this week with so many guys uh, 
really falling apart on Friday and then not having any of the big names around on the weekend, it was pretty rough. Uh, but it's fun. It's, it's a pretty good learning experience to try and figure out what, uh, what type of uh, – for you, and as you can tell, uh, this week really put a damper on those guys that went uh, scrubs early and stars late. Oh, yeah, you probably weren't hanging out. Uh, Sheridan, what, uh, you been playing any FanDuel at all? Yeah, man, it's uh, I mean, kind of to echo what they just said. It's It's been a, a different learning experience. I mean, I think it's like anything. It just kind of takes a little bit of time to get used to the change, but it's definitely a challenge. So I think for everybody that likes to play multi-different sports and different types of contests, it's been a, a change of pace and kind of makes you reevaluate how you approach different events and tournaments. So it's been fun. Yeah, it's uh, from what I've heard from most guys, like Kevin said, a lot of it's the scrubs and stars approach. You can mix and match, but you got burned this past week. And I, I think I was telling Jesse or someone else, the way I look at it, the, way, the reason why I'm kind of frustrated with it is when you, when you play DraftKings, you pick your six guys and you know what you're going to battle with for the whole tournament. And then when you have FanDuel, it's, you know, you pray – that you pick the right two rounds to play these guys. Because what if they go off in the end? That's frustrating as hell. So I compared it to – it's like when you go to the casinos. Well, DraftKings, I, I compare to Blackjack. It's the closest thing that's in your control. But FanDuel, you're playing the penny slots, and you're praying you hit it big. <laughs> so. yeah, no, that, that is so true because the last two weeks um, – We've we've put in. I mean, I've put in a lot of lineups, and I've done decently well, especially Thursday, Friday, and I'm sitting good until Saturday, Sunday, and you don't know what to root for, and that's mm-hmm. that's the worst part about it. And why do I play fantasy sports so I can root for people? And and it's difficult to real to really figure out. Well, I want this guy to make the cut, but not do really do that well until he plays his third round, and then go and make all kinds of birdies, but just save them all for the weekend, but just barely make the cut. And it's just, it's just, I don't know, man. That's the, that's the thing I hate the worst about it. Yeah. That's why I've had a hard time getting into it. It's because like I said, with DraftKings, you have your guys either making the cut or they're not, but you're rooting for them. Yeah. You want them to go low the whole time. FanDuel, it's almost like you want to barely make the cut and then you want your weekend guys to go off at the end. And then your mm-hmm. other guys, it's a whole weird deal, but I guess we'll, uh, we'll get more into it. We'll see how, um, the Masters tournaments go for them, but it's good that they're at least putting money into it. It's something different. Um, it's just weird with the potential merger involved having two completely separate types of formats. It seems a little odd, but we'll see. Um, we'll kick this one off with Kevin. The PGA seasons, you know, it's only going on a few months now, three months now. What are some of the big, like, highlights, exciting moments that kind of kicked off the year for you? Well, obviously, DJ being so dominant, when he teases up, you feel like he's uh, he's by far the favorite, you know, is uh, almost as dominant as Tiger was when he was in, in his heyday, winning almost every time he teed it up. Um, you see DJ's odds are six, seven to one in some spots for the Masters, and that's that's crazy low. Mm. But the way mm-hmm. he's playing right now, it's it's um, pretty damn good way to start the season. He's just – he's unbelievably good. Um, yeah, he's locked. Yeah. He's locked. Yeah. Russell Henley's round today was as good as they come, you know, knowing he's got to make a run and, and going out there and, and putting the pedal to the metal and, and playing. Uh, something to be said for that and pretty, pretty good to see heading into the Masters this week. Yeah, definitely. Um, Sheridan, uh, do you have any big highlights from the start of the season? 
I think just to echo, you know, what Kevin said, just seeing DJ coming out firing, I think, you know, a lot of people were kind of pulling for him. Seems like he just had, you know, bad beat after bad beat coming into the end of last year and then seeing him just roll right in like he didn't even take any time off. But then also just seeing kind of the young crop, you know, you're seeing a lot of guys coming in. You know, I think one of the more fun people for me to watch has been Adam Hadwin. Um, and I'm sure that's not a, a name that many people are going to shy away from this week. But, uh, you know, it's just cool to see some of these young guys come out and show up and, and continue to have that success. You know, there's there's always going to be those one-offs. But, you know, to be that young and playing with guys that they've grown up watching and seeing them perform at that level, it's it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, You got Hadwin and, you know, John Rahm's really finally making that name for himself, mm-hmm. which is impressive as all hell. He, even his, his round today was – he looked like he was just kind of going to limp into the Masters, and he went and brought it. It's pretty interesting to see. Uh, Jesse, what are your takeaways from the start of the season? Yeah, most definitely. You know, I, I, anytime you see somebody play as good a golf as, uh, as Dustin Johnson has, it's pretty just amazing and awe-inspiring. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as like in the DFS world, it's been kind of the year of the chalk. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a chalky type of player, and so it's been – fun to watch the the chalk hit quite often um but also you got you know other guys who are playing really good golf you know grillo's on the on the way up um and you know a bunch of other younger guys coming off the web.com tour um who are making a name for themselves and of course the resurgence of ricky fowler too i think that's a big uh deal he kind of had a you know a, a lot of struggles last year um after a certain trip to the bahamas and uh, i think he finally figured it out again yeah, I, I doubt they're making that trip this year. It seems like um, <laughs> a little more focused on golf. But uh, Miley's still in love. Yeah, I like you guys said a couple things. The DJ, I wouldn't even say Renaissance, just the domination of DJ. I know you guys have seen a lot of golf in person, so you guys have probably seen him play. I see him when he comes out here to Pebble. I tell people that I haven't seen him in person. First off, he's he's a tall beanstalk. He's not even that big. He's like skinnier in hell. People don't understand that. Because they see him hit 400 yard shots, it seems like. But I say it's the way I describe his drive, at least, it's like the most beautifully violent thing you'll ever see. It is just a whip, and just the, the ball has to be crying when, he, when it, it leaves. It's insane. But um, yeah, also the young kids, that's a good point. It's like you got the web.com guys, minus the little you know, Grayson Allen, at least he made the cut this week. That was big. Um, <laughs> But like JT Spawn and those guys, that's fun to watch. And um, one thing that I had written down that to me is so many low rounds. You had like JT in Hawaii. You had Hadwin's low round. You had Henley today. A lot of like low 60s, high 50s rounds, a lot more than normal. I don't know if they attest that to, you know, the new technology or what it is. Kevin, you might know you're a golf pro. What, what can you attest that to? Oh gosh. I mean, these guys are putting on services that are unbelievably good right now. And um, you, you tend to see a whole lot more low scores early in the season. I think, you know, most of the West coast courses with the exception of maybe Torrey, they're shorter courses. You can kind of bang it around. Not a whole lot of rough in most places. Look at Phoenix. Um, wait till you get more up in, uh, in Ohio and um, Jack's place. You don't see those guys shooting many 59, 60, 61s around there. Um, but these guys are just so good with the technology nowadays and all the numbers they have and all the different putting aids. I mean, it's the game is totally different now, even even from 10 years ago. 
Um, these guys are just so dialed in. When they're on, they're they're tough to beat. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if you saw, you know, one or two 59s every year for the next 10 years. It's going to happen. I mean, these guys are that damn good. Yeah, they are that impressive. Um, let's hit one more topic before we really dig into the Masters. I kind of mixed it up on you guys here, but – since you already withdrew, it doesn't really matter for Masters talk anymore, but let's talk El Tigre, Eldrick. Um, I, I know we joke about it a lot and everything, but I'm on the belief that if he's playing, it's like once or twice a year now because he can't even sit in a wooden chair. He, I think he's just there to buy TaylorMade and then sell his clubs. I don't know what he's doing. Um, Sheridan, do you have any thoughts on uh, Tiger and his future or what the hell's going on with him? Man, it's uh... – it's been a, you know, a tough, I guess, weekend for me because I'm one of those, you know, diehard old school Tiger guys. And I was talking to a friend uh, over the weekend. I was like, man, I think I might have to finally bite the bullet and just say, I think this may be one of those kind of final farewell. I'm going to ride out my exemptions and come and hang out and shake hands and, you know, do the marketing thing. But as far as being a top performing athlete in the sport, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like a see you bye at this point. Yeah, Jesse, what are your thoughts on, on Tiger and any chance of playing golf regularly again? <laughs> yeah, I've been the uh, – I've been – of the pair of me and Sheridan, I've been the more realist for a while now. <laughs> um, he is – he's done. Um, I, I He's just – I don't know. It's hard for me to wrap my – I don't – obviously, Tiger Woods has a, a brilliant mind because he's Tiger Woods. He's one of the greatest golfers of all time. But I can't get my mind around how he doesn't adjust his swing and do things differently, lay off the weights, maybe do some yoga, whatever, to help his back out. And then also to not take 16-hour flights to Dubai to get a paycheck. Um, it's just none of it makes any sense to me. And I just – I am I, – I hate to say it, but I, I just I, – I, I can't watch it anymore, and I, and I don't want to watch it anymore, so – I mean, I hope I hope he I hope he proves me wrong, but I just don't see it happening. No, it was uh, it was great to watch him struggle for about a month. You know, to see a player that was that dominant in their sport, their era, to go out and struggle and thin chips and hit golf balls all over the map. It was it was fun for a short amount of time, and now it's just old. It takes away from these younger players you guys talk about entering the game. Um, it's great when he does tee it up because guys that had followed Tiger and worship Tiger for so long, actually can see the guy in person. And uh, he's one of the only people I've ever seen in person that when you walk by him, you just you feel like there's a bubble around him and that person is who they are for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, I do think he's uh, he's done. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I agree with everything you guys said. Um, I'm in Sheridan's camp to the point where – I do want to see him play, not every day. Like, I agree he's taking away the limelight from what's the awesome golf we're seeing pretty much week in and week out. Um, but he is great for the sport still. That's the problem. Like, people – like, you listen to, like, the like Phils and all those guys, they still, like, bow down to Tiger because they knows what they did he did for the sport. So, I'd like to see him out there once in a while, like, full-time. No, stay away. Let the, let the guys that can perform perform. But – at the same time, stop toying with us because this one didn't surprise anyone. 
Right. Like everyone knew this was coming. It was more, it was more, are you going to really wait until Tuesday evening to tell us, or are you going to actually get off your ass and just know I can't do this? A bad yeah. back's a bad back. It doesn't take much to figure that out. Um, so it's a shame. I just wanted to see uh, your guys' two cents on this, but I don't know if we're going to see him at all the rest of the year personally, but um, it's a mess. Absolutely mess. He just needs to go back to Perth and start, start eating some pie and banging some waitresses. Maybe the back will <laughs> Bring Stevie back. Yeah, either stay on his yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, so they, the, the doctor prescribed him. A, the doctor said just lay down and stay on your back. Seems That's like right. the perfect recipe. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, moving on. Let's move on to the Masters and kind of a segue from Tigers. The other night on um, on Golf Channel, they were showing Masters highlights, and it was Tigers just demolishing Augusta round. I think it was 97 or whatever it was. And it was insane watching those highlights and how young he was and the shots he was making. It was disgusting. We'll start with Jesse. Let's go around the horn. Uh, Masters. What makes the that? That that ninety seven round right now. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, it's it's fun to watch. Uh, Jesse, we'll kick it off with you. What makes the Masters such a special event for you? Um, I really think you have to go there to understand how special it really is. It's uh, it's unlike any place I've ever been in my whole entire life. Um, and I've been to a lot of golf courses. Um, you know, I've been to a lot of places around the country. And it's just one of those places when you walk in, you know, you're, you're, you're in a, a different world. And um, it's, it's that to watch the golf there um, all week too is just something else because the, the, you'll never find a golf course that's as manicured, as nice. Um, and, and with the, the people who are there, you know, it, it's just, it's an amazing experience. When I went um, a couple of years ago, um, it was, you know, it, it changed my outlook completely on the Masters. But I, I really would put that on your bucket list if you're thinking of something to do golf wise. Just put that number one and go there. What, what about you, Kevin? You've been to the you've been to Augusta seven, eight times. You said so. What what's so special about the Masters for you? Oh gosh, I think for me, uh, being a being a PGA pro and being able to go and enjoy it for free and uh, having the opportunity to go as much as I want. Um, it never gets old. Uh, you know, you get there, and for your first experience there, you walk out, you walk past the concession stand, you walk by the merchandise tent, and you see the big white scoreboard that has all the uh, the continent flags, country flags, and you get up to the first hole, and you can see some of the topography, some of the terrain, and uh, you get up to the first tee box, and you look out, and it's just like, wow. You, you know, TV, like they say, doesn't do it justice. Uh, just the, the feeling of that place. Uh, walking the grounds, uh, eating a pimento cheese sandwich or an egg salad sandwich, buying a beer for two bucks. Uh, just the, the whole aura of Augusta and the fact that um, so much history is at Augusta. And, um, it's, it's just, it's, it's so cool. Uh, you can't really put into words um, why it's so cool, but it's just, uh, it's a place you have to see. Yeah, it seems amazing on TV. Someday I'll – it is on my bucket list, like Jesse said. So someday I'll make the trip. Um, Sheridan, you've been a few times as well. You said you, uh, you're, you have connections with the family. What uh, what makes the Masters so special for you? I think just – I mean, you know, every time I walk through those gates, I mean, it's like literally the first time I've ever been there. Um, it's just – 
uh, like Kevin said, the whole tiger aura thing. I get that when I walk through the gates at Augusta. I mean, it's like I'm on hallowed grounds. Like you just feel different and people that walk around. I don't think I've ever heard anybody have a single bad thing to say or having a bad day while they're there. It's like the happiest place on earth for that week. Um, so it's just, it's just neat to see how majestic that place is. And, and, you know, during the practice rounds of the par three tournaments not going on, I mean, you can just look over at, you know, the par three course that's sitting there and it's like, it's like any golfer's paradise. Like if I could die and just go hang out over there, I mean, that'd be the place I'd want to do it at. You know, I mean, it's just, it's cool. And, and TV really does not do that place justice. I mean, if there is anything that you can think of that should be taken care of on a golf course, they've already done it and been doing it for 25 years. So it's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, everybody knows I'm like a diehard big time baseball guy and PGA golf. I'm, it's a close probably second or one B second for me. But um, the way you guys are describing all of that, the closest I can relate to is like when I walked into Wrigley for the first time, I remember seeing the outfield and the ivy and everything. And it is, it feels just like, it's like an aura about it. But um, I would like to compare the two someday. Maybe I will make the trip. But with that being said, let's see if I can make this work. And we will start off our master's preview. Nope, we can't because TV sucks. Um, all right. We're going to start off with the course preview, and since Kevin and Sheridan have been there many times, have a good idea of the course, I'll let you guys take it away. Um, whoever wants to go first or second, doesn't matter to me, but I'll let you guys roll with that. Well, it doesn't matter to me. I, I think uh, a pretty tough opening stretch, wouldn't you say, Sheridan, that uh, if you miss that ball right off the tee at all, you're, you're <laughs> looking at a six pretty quick. Um, if you're going to miss it there, you might as well get it over there as close to nine as you can. Rope hook it if you have to, but um, you hit that ball right at that bunker, man. You're uh, you're looking at starting your master with a double pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I mean, it's it's probably one of the most intimidating opening tee shots that anybody and everybody knows they're going to hit. It's like, how do you prep for that? And you still you just have to step up and show it. But even then, I mean. You get out there in the fairway, that second shot's just as intimidating. I think that's kind of the theme, the whole loop around. I mean, you could pure one down the middle, and these greens are so mentally challenging. You have to hit it in the size of a coaster in certain places, and it's gone. But to your to your point, uh, the opening stretch, you come back down on two, and you're like, eh, it's all downhill. I got a shot. But then you look at that green, and you could set a ball down on the left side of it, and it's going in the gallery on the right side of the green. So uh, it's, it's it's incredible, man. Yeah, and then you got number three, obviously, the um, fairly short, pretty cool hole. You know, they, they try and make it dry over. Some of the guys can get there uh, for a couple of days of the tournament. Always pretty exciting on Sunday when they move it up some. Mm-hmm. And uh, four, it, it happens every year that a guy in contention or a guy near the top of the lead um, makes a big number on four. It's such a hard par three. And they put that pin right over top of that bunker and um, – you know, Phil left in the uh, the bamboo a couple of years ago and um, Tiger down that bunker shore of the flag a couple of years ago. I mean, it it happens every year. Someone makes a, a number on number four and you're like, oh, crap, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, to your point on four, I mean, if they, you know, if they push them back, you're sitting there 240. I mean, you could be coming off a short par four and then now I got to hit one of the most intimidating par three shots of the day and I'm, it's my first one. But I mean, then you step up on five, and, 
I mean, the bunkers on the left side of five, man, it looks like there's two school buses stacked on top of each other. If you're sitting in the bottom of it, you can't even see, you can't see out of it. You, I mean, you just about have to say, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to have to hit this one backwards. I mean, it's crazy. Um, but the green, the on five, green, yeah, probably the most underrated green on the entire golf course. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's just, it's, it's so sloping front to back and balls, they just can't get them back there far enough. It seems you always see guys come up short on that hole. And then you can even see chips roll back to their feet uh, from the front of that green. I mean, then you step down to six, which six is probably one of my favorite greens on the course, just because from the bottom front left corner of that green to the top back right, I mean, you're talking about maybe 20 feet of elevation change. And they shove that pin back right. Guy gets a nervous pull in there. I mean, it's a it's a long day and a quick four. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and seven's probably one of the most uh, natural looking holes out there. Real tight corridors. Um, you still can miss the fairway there and, and make a birdie, but um, much easier from the fairway on that hole. Uh, I guess it was what three four years ago now when Tiger and Phil made a late Sunday run and. Both those guys hit in the tree there and both made three. I think Phil almost holed out from that right side. Um, mm-hmm. and that's that's such a cool hole to see. And eight, you know, it's, I think it's the only hole in the course without a bunker. Uh, and uh, and see anything from eagles to bogeys there. Not many, not many bogeys, but you do see some typically uh, on Sunday. And then you just bring it on into nine. And, I mean, this is where you can start getting a feel for that elevation change because you can be sitting – kind of at the bottom of nine and looking back up the clubhouse and it's like you're looking up on a mountaintop. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. Um, not, not a real crazy big number par four. I mean, I think the cumulative scoring average on it's like 0.4.15. Um, so, I mean, it's not a, not a crazy challenging hole. Um, but then, I mean, you step over to 10 and it's, uh, it's right back to business. I mean, you gotta walk right past that huge scoreboard, take a look over and, and see what your peers are doing. Uh, but then you step up on four straight dog leg left, tons and tons of bunkers between you and the green. Uh, and then, I mean, we've all we've all know the shot that everybody talks about, but you lose one right over there. I think there's only one man in, in the history of the game that's played the course that knows how to get out of there, but right to jail. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then I think uh, I think we can uh, take a, a brief pause and and if you want to bring us in on on the favorite part of the course, at least from TV's perspective. Uh, Bubba, if you want to introduce it. Oh, it won't work. I tried loading it up, but I believe you're referring <laughs> to, I believe you're referring to Amen Corner, and um, yeah, quite popular deal. But yeah, no, um, YouTube is broken right now. All good, <laughs> all good. Uh, well, number eleven, um, man, it's it's it is such a long par four. I mean, it's a four and a half, half a ten. <laughs> Yeah, par four and a half, no doubt. I mean, probably one of, honestly, in my opinion, probably one of the more difficult tee shots on this course just because you're looking at auto bogey if you're anywhere but perfect because, I mean, it's 505 yards. I'm looking at the, the 2016. It was right on point with Kevin says par four and a half. I mean, that was average 4.5 on the whole. Um, but you've got everything sloping to your left. You've got the pond guarding the green to the left. They've got a devilish place bunker right there. So, I mean, you absolutely have to hit the perfect approach shot. And then you know what lurks right behind it. Uh, even if you come off a bogey, you walk into the most difficult part three on the course. Kevin, you want to talk about number 12? Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful hole, isn't it? Stood back there on the tee, just look. And 
you see the azaleas back behind the green, back behind 13T, and it's uh, it doesn't appear like it's that difficult, but I guess until you strike a shot there, you just really truly don't know how tough of a shot it is. You know, see anything from uh, doubles and triples coming down the stretch Sunday to a lot of guys making two there. They just have it dialed in. They know that yardage, and it's not that tough of a shot. Um, probably the uh, other than seven at, at Pebble, the most famous par three out there. No doubt. And I think too, when that wind gets swirling, I think that's when you see a lot of guys kind of pucker up because, I mean, there's been times where, you know, I I think, uh, you know, the, the video game Tiger Woods did the best job replicating the hole. I think if anybody's ever played it, they used to have the wind odometer thing. It would just sit there and spin. But you can sit there in that in that in that grandstand behind the tee box and literally watch the trees blow from left to right when guys are sitting there trying to hit the most important you know, maybe knock down nine of the day. Um, but then, I mean, you, you you take that walk, that lonely walk back to 13 after a bogey, there's not a soul back there. I think there may be one CentOS security guard or something back there to, to kind of hold your hand. But you get back there and you got to hit, you know, a very, very difficult tee shot knowing that, you know, that could, you know, dictate whether or not you can try and, and get to, to 13 and two or not. Um, I think we've only seen a few guys go right and make use of it. But I mean, it demands a, a high draw for for right-handers, and, and um, I think I think you just got to be able to place one out there and, and hope to maybe have a, a long iron in your hand to take a stab at it. But I mean, even then, you're you're guarded by the uh, the infamous creek that's swallowed a lot of golf balls and taken away a lot of Masters dreams. So yeah, it's just, it's such a cool stretch right there, twelve, thirteen, and um, you finish those holes and you go over to fourteen. You, if you ever walk the place, you're like, man, this hole just it's just a golf hole. It's nothing all that special, but um that green makes that hole pretty fun to watch, especially on Sunday. They seem to always put that pin in the same spot and see a lot of balls funnel back to that hole and um typically see guys that win it make a pretty good run on um twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and then they go back to fifteen and they got another chance for a par five. I think 14 down the stretch is a definite must par. Um, you just you got to kind of just keep it together and get through that hole and hope you can jump up to 15 and bust one. Um, you know, it's 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 not the longest par five, but it's certainly a demanding one in the approach. I mean, we've all seen people short. You got the roars on 16 within earshot. I mean, you know, you got to make a run and you're sitting there trying to hit that shot. And there's water on either side of it, and it's a it's a very mentally mentally challenging hole. Um, you know, certainly one if you can make make use of though. An eagle gets you a long way. Eagle eagle can sometimes feel like a two, you know, coming down the stretch. Uh, and then you step up on 16. Uh, we've all seen some miraculous things if we've watched enough tournaments at that, that course happen. Uh, I think last year uh, the Louis Ustase in hole in one with the, the bounce off JB. I know that certainly made Jesse and I really excited in some certain contests of ours. But, um, I mean, you just you, – you cannot miss on on that green. Um, it's everything – I mean, it, it comes back to the water. If you're short, if you're long, you got the water sitting back there behind it. Um, but it's fun to watch those guys try to throw it in there on the top right of the green and let it funnel back towards the front left of it for the for where the pin usually is. Um, but you know, it's, it's even fun if, if there's some listeners that are going to make it for the practice round, grab a seat, grab a beer, sit there and watch the guys walk down to the front of that tee box and skip the ball across. I mean, it's one of the more, 
uh, interesting things. I think that's the only place you may hear booze at Augusta is if the guys act like they're not going to actually skip one across the water. You're going to hear some guys getting booed, and they even make some caddies do it too. So it's just one of those fun things. If anybody's going to make it out, I'd highly recommend grabbing a seat and watching some of that. Yeah, it's a pretty cool experience right there. It's uh, pretty fun to see those guys do that. And uh, um, the worst attempt I ever saw at it was uh, my first time to Augusta, and Kirk Triplett was there, and everyone's chanting, um, skip it, skip it. He walks up to the front of the tee box, takes his ball, throws it in the water, and skips all the way to the green. And he got he got heckled and booed his entire skipping to the green. It was great. Uh, he was he was the only person all day that we sat there, and he didn't he didn't actually skip the ball. Yeah, what's even more sickening, I think, is I've seen three hole in ones on that hole at practice rounds of people doing it. And, you know, I've been playing golf for about 25 years and I've yet to have one. But, you know, a guy can skip it across and uh, run one up on the front of the green and dunk one and just makes, uh, you know, normal golfers stomachs you turn over. You need to change your shot shape then and just go lower. <laughs> Start yeah. with a little, little, little rabbit chaser skippers. I make, that may be the key. You got to play the course. You can't let the course play you. It's very simple. That's the only way. You got to warm burn it in. Uh, take us home, boys. After you get by 16, you go to uh, 17. You know, lost the Eisenhower tree a few years ago. Um, but really not a whole lot of trouble. The trouble comes from uh, um, guys missing the green, maybe short-sighted themselves on Sunday. Um, don't see many big numbers there, really. But you do see uh, the occasional birdie that kind of vaults the guy to victory. In 18, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the tee shot is unbelievably tight, is it not? Yeah, I mean, especially when you watch on TV after being there, and even if you go there after having seen it on TV, you just wonder how they fit that many people in that small confine of a space. But then you're talking about hitting down a 150-yard shoot line 10 deep behind the ropes. I mean, and, you know, you know those late Sunday rounds, those guys, I mean, it's got to feel like hitting it down a hallway. Um, but – you know, you get past the gallery, um, you know, you're sitting there looking at having to hit, trying to avoid a miss right. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest misses that you see guys make, trying to peel one off the corner and have a shorter wedge in their hand. And you see them end up over in those trees. And uh, I think there was a couple of years ago, uh, it was uh, hell and Kenny. Um, I think they got over in, in, the, in the extra holes and, and got kind of jammed up in that tree over there. And, you know, without anything miraculous happening, it's it's all but jail and you're, and you're pretty much done from that right side of 18. But uh, then you got to hit you got to hit into that green. Uh, it's an uphill second shot. You got uh, two bunkers guarding it. And, you know, Lord help us if we all had to hit that, you know, on a Sunday round trying to close out the Masters. But um, it is certainly I would say probably one of the most famous finishing holes, no doubt. Yeah, it's crazy. That's a that's a hell of a course preview there, hole by hole. It's, it doesn't seem like there's a bad spot out there. I want to go to Jesse real quick. Um, they gave their definition of it or their idea and preview of Amen Corner. Jesse, you've been there as well. Is it all it's cracked up to be on TV, or would you prefer somewhere else on the course? Oh, Amen Corner? Uh, yeah, you can't beat it, especially if you – like if, when you walk down in between 11 and 12 greens or while well, you're standing behind 12 tee, 
um, and kind of off to the right of, of 11 uh, green, it's, it's awe inspiring. You know, the, the one thing about this golf course is, is the par threes are difficult. I didn't realize how difficult number four was until Sheridan took me up there and we stood behind it and I watched dudes hit shots off of it, taking long irons. Um, and, and, and that is because if you, if you miss it either way, you're, you're in bad shape. Um, and it's a long hole, especially on a Sunday, um, with the green jacket on the line. You know, that's an early, uh, place to, to hiccup for, for guys. Um, but 11 is probably the most difficult. I, I wish you could, I wish we could get back up there. Cause I don't know. Can you guys, can we get up to 11 T box? I can't remember if you can or not. Yeah. Yeah, you can get on the right side of it. Because that, that's like a shoot almost like 18 getting out through there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and if you miss it left, you're pretty well gone. And you can miss it right, but you're going to be in trees and you're going to be in pine straw, and then you're really going to be in jail trying to get down to that green um, on uh, you know for, for your approach shot. And then obviously when you go to 12, we all saw what happened to Jordan Spieth last year. That can happen you know, to anybody. But at the same time, you know, I think Freddie Couples a couple years ago hit his short and it rolled back and just stayed barely above it. And uh, I think he went on to, to win the jacket that year um, because he stayed out. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other thing about 12 too um, is it, no, not 12, 13. It's the double tier green, correct? Yeah. So, um, you know, you can get into some bad spots there on that, on, you know, on that green as well. If you're not putting it, in the right spot on your approach there. So it's a, uh, it's just an awe inspiring, awesome golf course. Um, it's the Mecca of golf. Good. One last question. We'll move on for all three of you. And we'll go in order. It's like a quick hits question. If you had to pick one place during the round and we won't say final round, cause 18 would be obvious. I would think maybe not, but you only get one spot to sit at for the entire day. Where would you sit? Where would you recommend someone sitting? We'll start with you, Jesse, and we'll go around the horn. Amen corner, between 11 and 12. Kevin? Yeah, I mean, that's probably the coolest spot to sit and watch shots all day is guys hitting their approach shot into 11 and watching the tee shot on 12. But I will say, if you're going for your first time, the best thing to do is go to the first tee, walk the entire golf course, mm-hmm. grab a beer when you walk in. After the third hole, there's another beer station. You get a beer and a sandwich. Walk four, five, six. You can get another beer and a sandwich. Walk uh, seven and eight, nine. Get back to the top. Get a beer and a sandwich. You walk down 10, 11, get to Amen Corner. There's another spot for a beer and a sandwich. Mm-hmm. Before you know it, you're feeling pretty good. You've seen a lot of the golf course, and you probably only spent 12 bucks. <laughs> I was getting ready to say, your pocket hadn't been hammered yet. Uh, that's, that's what I'm jealous yeah. about is how cheap stuff is there. It's unbelievable. And that's how it should be everywhere, but that's amazing. That's the kind of stuff you get on, on bench with Bubba is where to get your beers, people. That's the important <laughs> yeah. thing. I'll say one other spot. You, I can't, can't, stop there. you can't, um, can't stop there because once you pass Amen Corner, you can get another beer. Yeah. Um, uh, 16 T, I believe. And yep. then you can finish your walk. Once you get to the top 18, it's a pretty easy walk back down from 18 to Amen Corner. And, of the seven times I've been there, uh, I've walked from one through 18 every single time. It doesn't get old. Awesome. What about you, Sheridan? Uh, I, I couldn't agree more with Kevin. Walk the entire course and just take it in. But um, one of my – I think one of the more 
uh, underrated spots to sit to outside of aiming corner because that's where you know the, the big place is but sitting on the uh, kind of the, the left side of the grandstand facing 15 green from 16 T you can watch those guys hitting their shots into 15 green and you can also see the, the play on 16 and if you sit far enough left of the grandstand you can even catch some of the tee shots into the six green as well so you can kind of catch all three of those uh, but definitely spend some time in aiming corner there's a beer everywhere you turn and uh, try as much stuff as you can in the in the concession stand because I've yet to have one bad thing from it. Right. Well, now now, now that you're talking concession stands, Virginia Wino asked us, is it egg salad or pimento and cheese? What are your favorites? Which one do you prefer? I'm egg salad. Egg salad. Egg salad. Pimento and cheese Three is very, very rich. <laughs> How much are these sandwiches? Two bucks. Two, two and a quarter? Jeez. You get in for People don't believe it. They don't believe it. The only, the only bad part of the egg salad sandwiches and all the beers is the car ride home with a bunch of guys. <laughs> I was about to say, I was about to say you've, by your tour, you've had about 10 to 12 beers and like six sandwiches. That's going to be a rough <laughs> ride home. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I have mercy on the designated driver. Like that person's earning their bags right. that day. <laughs> Okay, let's uh, let's wrap these two together. Jesse, give us a little recap of last year's Masters and a uh, what to look for as we start targeting golfers for our DFS lines. Um, obviously, last year the big story was uh, Jordan Spieth again um, and what happened on 12 with him, um, which opened the door for Danny Willett to – uh, you know, kind of come sneak in there with a, a nice Sunday round um, and end up with the uh, with the win. Um, you know, everybody still talks about twelve, and I, I don't know what kind of mental hurdle that's going to be for uh, for for Jordan this year. But we'll see on that. I hope everybody fades in in DraftKings. Um, and then uh, also, too, Smiley missed a putt on the last hole uh, for par, um, which cost. Cost me and Sheridan quite a bit of money. Um, other than that, uh, this year, obviously going into it, once again, Jordan Spieth. So second, first, second, Jordan Spieth um, is, is uh, he's, he's once again going to be the talk of the Masters early on here. Um, and then Dustin Johnson, um, obviously, he's going to be a big favorite. He's right now the, the pretty overall betting favorite as far as odds go in Vegas. Um, and then there's a lot of Euro guys out there, too, and I hope we get to talk about those. Um, but you know, the things I'm going to be looking for in my golfers when I'm going to pick them this, this year or this, uh, this week, um, you know, how are they putting, number one. Um, the, they, they talked about in the course preview about how difficult these greens are, but you really have to be able to putt, um, and, put, and, and, and especially lag putt. I'm not talking about making everything. I'm talking about not three-putting or – Six putting like Ernie Els. I think he had a six putt last year, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He started the tournament with it, with it and uh, still made the cut, right? Yeah, yeah he still made the cut somehow. Um, six putted number one, um, and then guys, you know, we 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 got to get guys who are good overall short game, especially with the scrambling. Um, and then actually, Sheridan and I were talking about this beforehand, and, and they talked about it during the the course preview without actually saying it, but driving accuracy. You got to be able to place the golf ball around this golf course. Um, you'll be able to shape it in different places. And so we're looking at guys who 
it, it aren't necessarily long because that, that's not a huge requirement. Um, the golf course plays just over 40, 7,400 yards. Um, so guys who can place the ball well um, are going to be top of my list as well. Nice. You guys looking for anything different when you're picking your DFS lineups? No, I mean, I, I, I'm a huge um, course history guy, you know, uh, kind of get, I, I have the opinion that um, even if your game sucks, but you come to a place that you love and you typically play well at, it's going to revive your game a little bit. Um, if a buddy tells me, Hey, we're going to go play this course today. And I hate the place. I know I'm probably not going to have a very good round. Um, but you look at guys that always play well at Augusta, you know, Westwood, Rory, Spieth, guys that have a track record of playing well there almost every time they tee it up. Uh, I would tend to stick more with guys that have good course history. Yeah, there's something to that. I, I give my guys a hard time all the time at our home course here. I can walk out there without playing for a couple of weeks and probably shoot. I'm not a handicap like you guys. I'm actually a slap stick. But, um, I can shoot bogey golf pretty easily, if not a little better. I go out to a course I haven't played in a few years, and it could be a disaster in a heartbeat. So there's a lot to be said about that. Uh, Sheridan, anything else you're looking for on the course? No, I think just um, Jesse touched on it a little bit, but just that kind of that three-putt avoidance, just kind of just even if you do miss a green, because it's not a matter of if you'll miss greens, it's just when and being able to scramble. I think scrambling is a, is a huge underrated stat because – Got a lot of guys who can place balls all over the place on the greens on some of these courses that aren't as undulated. But if you can scramble, I think you can certainly save yourself some strokes. And and I think that's going to be a big stat. I love the driving accuracy stat as well. All right. Let's get into some DFS talk. DraftKings, obviously. Um, As you know, Jesse provides the DFS preview every week. Kevin provides some information weekly. It's tons of good stuff. And if you guys are paying attention to it, it's definitely helping you out. Um, we'll do a quick run through a couple of tiers of golfers. We'll start in the 10 K guys for 10 K. We have day McElroy Johnson and Smith over 10 K. We'll go around the horn every time on this. We'll start with Jesse. What's your one guy, your top guy over 10 K that you're going to be building around. Um, I, I, I just can't not do Jordan again. Um, I'm thinking, that people are going to see what happened last week um, and obviously what happened on 12 last year and think twice about rostering him. And that's what I'm, that's, that's my thinking going into this. That might change as the week progresses, but Jordan's my guy at this point. What about you, Kevin? Yeah, it's hard to ignore Jordan. Um, it's going to be certainly hard to ignore DJ, but I think everyone, when they look at it, will, uh, probably have DJ much higher owned than Spieth. You get, you know, $200 discount on a guy that is playing a hell of a lot better than Spieth right now. Um, but I, I think I'm going to be more heavy on Rory. Mm. Um, I, I can't trust Jason Day at all right now. You know, he's he's uh, um, been pretty iffy since a spectacular year, uh, year and a half, really. Um, but I think I'm going to go more with Rory this year. I like that. He's been playing some crazy good golf. Crazy good golf. Sheridan, who are you targeting in the top four, basically? I'm going to have to back a little bit on the Jesse side here and say speed, just hoping that a lot of people uh, don't ride him as hard and hope that he can kind of channel that mental focus and produce some of the similar results he's done in the last three years. 
Yeah, it's it's hard not to go with any of those top three. Uh, they're mm-hmm. all they're all playing some pretty phenomenal golf. So there's really no wrong answer. I would imagine there's probably certain statistics you can look at or whatever. It's gonna you know Jesse's got his model and stuff. There's probably a lot more to it than just that. You can't really go wrong with any. Um, this is for anybody involved. Is Jason Day even officially playing, or is he still with his mom? Because I don't know if they've. Because he when he when he left match play, he said he didn't know if he was going to be back for the Masters. Is he even playing this week? Anybody? I haven't heard. I don't know. I think he's playing. Uh, the last I heard, he is. He was playing, um, but it, it, it's got a lot to do with his mom um, and her health. So the WD chance. Is way higher with him than anybody else in the field, I would imagine, at this point. Oh, yeah, if he has a rough round one, gone. And even if he does play, I mean, where's his head going to be at? It just makes it hard to imagine a guy with that much on his plate at home being able to focus on one of the most mentally challenging golf courses in the world. Yeah, it probably sounds pretty petty of us to all say it, but as he, he probably hasn't even picked up a golf club since he flew out of Mexico or whatever, so who knows what's going on there. But um, – Let's go to the 9K range. We have four golfers, Rose, Fowler, Stenson, our favorite Stenson, and Matsuyama. <laughs> Kick us off, Jesse. Who's your top 9K guy? Uh, Rose is my guy. Um, I'm probably going to be pretty heavy with him, especially even in cash games. Um, the course history is is outstanding, and he made a nice little comeback around today at the, at the Shell Houston, so um, gave me a little bit more hope. But I'm finished second here back in 2015, 10th. Uh, last year, so he's going to be my dude in that range. He's been about as consistent as they come week in and week out. He'll make the cut. He's he's at worst a top twenty guy most weeks, if not higher. So you know he's going to place for you pretty well, unless something crazy happens. Kevin, what are you looking at in top nine guys? I agree with Rose. Uh, you know he's kind of the forgotten guy in in, in all those names that um, he typically goes a lot lower owned than most guys. Uh, he's a cup maker he played well um, Thursday in Houston. Uh, uh, course history speaks for itself. I, I think uh, if I wasn't going to play Rose, I'd, I'd probably lean with Ricky here um, playing well and awfully hard to trust Henrik right now. And who are you looking at Sheridan? It's hard to go. It's hard to go against a guy like Rose. I mean, I think he's adjusted round on between the courses, I think he's, you know, I think in his course history, I think he's almost a full two shots better than the other guys in that 9K price range. I think another guy, too, that I'd have to maybe even consider a little bit, Sadecki. I think he could fly under the radar, uh, especially if some, some guys are trying to construct a lineup where they maybe do go speed or DJ. I think you have to give Hideki a little bit of a nod, too. From an ownership perspective, that's that that's a very, very good point because he's finished seventh and fifth here last the last two years. Um, myself, I'd rather take the $700 discount and go with Rose. But um, I think Hideki is somebody who definitely could fly under the radar and not be as, quote-unquote, popular in the DFS world. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point because you look at Hideki, he was basically unstoppable for a while. He's kind of, you know, spiraled lately, not Stenson-esque, but he's spiraled. Um, so a lot of people might be scared off him. He hasn't played in a few weeks, so no one really – you know, a lot of these players aren't, you know, diehards like you guys are, so they're just looking at what the, the recent thing they've seen on TV. So they haven't seen Hideki yeah. around. Um, right. The other thing is, is like you said, his ownership, even when he was hot, hot, 
if there was enough big names in the group, he still was low owned every time. Like yeah. it was, it was crazy. But um, something I want to bring up, you mentioned Fowler, Kevin, and everybody likes Rose and I don't, there's no reason not to like Rose. Um, you could almost, if you want to make a GPP lineup on your own or whatever, or a cash lineup, don't even go to the top guys. Start with Fowler Rose combo and go from there. That's just my two cents, but it's something to something to think about. My point I'm trying to make in a long winded way is people don't always have to get the big name guys at the top. You can build elsewhere. And um, I did that a couple weeks ago in a tournament. I think I did all eight K or below. I had like three grand left over. And all six made the cut, and I cashed. Like, I didn't win it, but I, it, there's ways to make money. Right, yeah. All right, so definitely. Agreed. So and, the, 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 when you're talking about something like the Millie Maker, which is obviously the big popular deal this year, you have to think outside the box. Like, you, you've got to be different somehow, some way, because you're playing the, all the chalk is not going to win you the million dollars. you got to figure something else out. And like you said, starting maybe Rose Ricky is not a bad place if you're, if you're starting a Millie team. Both guys could definitely get the job done out there. And obviously, Dustin's playing so well and Spee's playing so well. There's a reason they're priced so high. Would you be surprised if they won? Hell no. But right. to win the, the cha-cha, you got to do it all. Speaking of that, let's get into some some guys that are, you're going to need to go off to help build your team. The 8K range, about 10 golfers in the 8K range. Jesse, who are you? Give us a couple names you're targeting in the 8K range. Um, I'll be on John Rahm. Um, I don't care if it's his first time or not. He's just too good of a golfer. Um, in reality, I think he should probably be, you know, about 10 K. So the price discount there is well worth it in my opinion. Um, and then I'll have some surge and definitely be looking at Louis who stays in again, uh, quite a bit. Um, he's got really good course history, 8,100. Um, and then a guy who, if it's raining a lot, which the forecast right now is not good. If you look at Thursday and Friday, and um, a guy who plays well in the wind um, and likes and is, is does does okay is Brant Snedeker, and he might potentially fly on the radar this year. Course history okay, uh, but like I said, those those the weather factor is something that might put me a little bit more on Brant. A couple things on that is yeah, Rom. The only thing I worry about Rom because the price is so stupid low ownership wise, but he's about as dominant as they are. And when you're building your lineups, another thing is. You can't try to be contrarian on all, all six plays. You can take a couple that you can be pretty confident in and still be just fine. So I want to reiterate that. Sergio, right. I was shocked at how cheap he is. I know his putting's been off, but the guy's been contending week in and week out. But I, I see a smirk on his face over there, so he might have something to say about Sergio. Um, <laughs> but Sneds, I love the Sneds call. That guy, he's sneaky, and he's always around. His putter's there. Worth a shot. Kevin, what are you looking at? Yeah, so I, I bet Sergio every single major. Just whatever it is, okay. put, put me in. It's got to happen sometime, right? <laughs> I like right. It's going to happen at some point. He's not going <laughs> to pull the Westwood and never not win one. He's going to get one. Um, but talk about those 8K guys. I just built a lineup. Sergio, Scott, Snedeker, Rom, and that leaves me enough money for a guy who hits a big high draw, Jimmy Walker. Mm. Um, mm. And that's uh, that's a pretty darn good lineup. It may be maybe out there three or four times in the tournament, but um, it's pretty pretty damn good squad. Um, that's what I'm saying. There's there's a good golfers out here. You don't have to go crazy. Yeah, and and you know with the threat of weather, if there is a bunch of rain, you probably have to watch out for some of those guys that don't hit it as far. Uh, Zach Johnson cost me a lot of money here one year when he won, mm-hmm. uh, so I tend not to. Uh, 
not to pick Zach very often. Um, <laughs> I, I think he does a lot better here when it's fast and firm and he can get it out there a little bit. But if the weather is nasty and, and a little bit more wet, then I don't like his chances. Um, so I, I, I like uh, I like some bombers this week, and I like guys um, that aren't afraid to, to go deep, and that squad isn't, isn't afraid to go deep. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sheridan, who are you looking at? Really love Brent Snedeker just for the price. Give me a discount at a flat 8K for a guy who's just I – mean, he's a perennial mutter. Um, I mean, he's just – he just he knows how to get it done, and he doesn't ever seem to get too rattled. I mean, he's right right down the pipe, and the guy when his putter gets hot, I mean, he's lights out. Um, I think a guy too that just has to at least get some consideration. I think Kevin may have mentioned it in that lineup, but give me give me Mickelson, um, channeling some of those those previous wins. Uh, how do you ever avoid out. him here? You can't ever avoid him in Augusta. Agreed. Agreed. And, and I, I think a guy, too, that, you know, we talked a little bit about it for some of those guys that come in that course history. I mean, Bubba, I mean, you talked a little bit about it, Bubba, talking about guys that, watch, you know, these everyday, you know, not every, people who watch it more on TV. What have I seen lately? I hadn't seen a ton of Bubba, but what I have seen is Bubba come to Augusta and just kind of channel that, that, you know, that mental fortitude that's got him through in the past. So it's, it's hard to avoid him, too. Well, and, and his last time out, he played better. Uh, they finally came out and said he was playing with a Titleist ball. And now he uh, he can't use his pink ball here. I know this is all just semantics, but he does play really well there. And if you want another low ownership guy, he should be because people hate him. And like you said, he hasn't been on TV. So there's another guy to look at. He does play very well there. Um, if... Uh, if the weather is as bad as potentially as bad as you guys are saying, you want more um, less bombers is what you guys are. I go more talking bombs. about. I go more bombs. more bombs. Agreed. Okay. More bombs. I mean, they're calling right now. It's supposed to be raining. Uh, there's thunderstorms coming in uh, Thursday or Wednesday, and then a chance of, of rain on Thursday. But wind is going to be the issue. Wind is going to be the issue the first two days. Pretty. Pretty strong win. So, okay. Before we go to the next level, then we're gonna get some insider info real quick. If it's raining and there's a delay, Kevin, which bar should they go to? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't spent too much time outside the gates of Augusta. It's typically get there as fast as I can and get on the grounds. Um, no, is there, there's nothing like on site. No bars on site unless you're lucky enough to have Berkman's passes, which is. Uh, <laughs> um, pretty special, but there are not many passes to go around, so you're probably not rushing to Berkman's. Um, there, uh, there's a Hooters not far away where you typically see John Daly set up for the week. Mm, he'll uh, be outside the ground. He'll be there this year, I think. And uh, I, I want to say that Tangeray's got something going on with Snoop being down there this week. Oh, I read somewhere that outside outside the gates, I can't remember which parking lot, but Tangeray is hosting Snoop for the week. Well, now we're talking so Snoop. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Another low-key spot. I'll just throw it in real quick. T-Bones. Good steak. You'll see a lot of players roll through there, too. So if you're down there looking for a good steak meal, hit up T-Bones. Grab you a meal. Um, got to sit down and have a little conversation with Graham McDowell a few years ago. Uh, you know, you just see these guys come in, and it's cool. They just It's like they get sucked into the Augusta Aura, too. I mean, they're all just in good moods, it seems like. Sweet. Okay, let's go to the uh, 6K, 7K range. Basically, the rest of the golfers, your value plays, whatever, 
Uh, Jesse, kick us off with a handful of guys. Like a lot of your euros are here. A lot of them are priced way lower than I feel they should be. I don't know how your thoughts are, but uh, a lot of quality, quality guys, including our favorite. Um, what do you got in mind? Um, I'll be playing. Uh, I'll be probably trying to pick up a lot of the guys in this range. Um, I'm probably will have zero Danny Willett only because he's just not that good at golf right now. Uh, but other than that, like I'll have Peters Hatton. He's going to be pretty popular though. So you got to take, I, I, you know, I think you have to have a little bit of, of exposure to Hatton myself. Um, I think Brooks could be sneaky good this week if he can putt. Um, and we're going to try to find him on the golf course and see if he's actually making any putts when we're down there uh, on Tuesday. And then Fitzpatrick, another good guy. Um, I'll have some Grillo. I know I'll, I'll leave the, the Cabrera Bello uh, panting up to Sheridan. Um, Martin <laughs> Keimer. Um, Martin Keimer is a guy who his course history isn't that great. He can't hit um, a draw. You got to draw it around Augusta. I'm with you. I'm with you. But I just have a feeling about Martin Keimer this year. I don't know. I just I just have a feeling about him. Could be way off on that. Uh, but I'll have some of him. I'm not going to go over super overweight on him. And then I got some sneaky plays down here. Well, not sneaky. I mean, we, I know you're, you're big on uh, Hadwin um, Bubba already, and I know he'll be a very popular play. Um, but a guy that I'm looking at quite a bit, he's never played here. I just have a feeling about him. Uh, short, Long story short, last year, Kierdeck Appy Barnrot won me a lot of money. And I think mm-hmm. I found this year Appy Barnrot. And I think it's Jung Hung Wang. Jung Hung Wang. Just another, just another feeling, I'm telling you. Just another feeling. <laughs> nice. Kevin, what are some of the uh, six, the, the lower price guys you're looking into? I like Kisner, local guy. Um, Plays at Palmetto Golf Club just north of Augusta. Um, played there last year, did okay. Um, but I like Kisner's game. I think he could be pretty good around Augusta. Um, obviously, you know, Lee Westwood has a pretty darn good track record around Augusta. Um, trying to find those guys that uh, are ball strikers and can place it on the right quadrants of the green. At Augusta, you know, it's not just about hitting greens. It's about hitting the right section of the greens. And, uh, and Lee can do that. Certainly Sergio can do it too. That's why you got to really try and find those guys that are superb ball strikers. Uh, Bill Haas playing well. Um, like Bill's game around Augusta, he's not afraid to hit a, a pretty good draw. Um, and, uh, and and Berger too. I do like some Berger this week. Okay, I was gonna, I'm glad you brought up Haas. I was going to ask you about him. Haas has been playing some of the most consistent golf out there, period. Um, so I was very curious about that one. Uh, Sheridan, what are you looking into in the lower price? There's a couple. Um, some of them have already been mentioned. Uh, I'll dip down and, and maybe give Webb a few nods. Um, I think, you know, just overall, um, he's had relatively decent course history here. Uh, if his putter gets hot, I mean, I think he could certainly be there come Sunday. There's a guy that I always love to follow every time I'm down there too in that 7K range, Ryan Moore. Uh, he just seems one of those guys who's kind of at peace usually all the time when he's on the course, but something about Augusta just seems to kind of tame him down. Uh, he's kind of a, a low-risk guy. You don't ever see him do anything too crazy on the golf course, but he's had decent history there. Uh, there's a couple more. Uh, I kind of like 
kind of like a little bit of Duffner as well. Uh, hadn't had supreme good course history, but, you know, his numbers kind of line up. Um, Rafa, uh, I know Jesse kind of gave me some flack for that, but I think he has a chance to go low on just given what happened last week. Um, you know, but you, you got to question sometimes how bad those guys want to be at those places when they know uh, one of golf's first and biggest majors of the year lurch around the corner. Uh, maybe one of those kind of looking forward rounds um, when, he, when he had his, his shell performance. Um, I like Berger too, though. Uh, I was glad somebody brought him up. Um, I think he, he's got – he's had a, a decent um, performance there, but his, his numbers look good to me too. Okay. There's a bunch of guys I could ask questions on, but we don't need to go through the whole roster. We can see – we can figure that out later, hit you guys up or whatever. One name I am going to ask about, because I've seen it all over the place, for $6,300, is anybody rostering Freddie Couples? <laughs> A lot of people have talked about him, so I was wondering. No, not this time. Okay. I won't. I won't. Go, I won't go below Sean Sean O'Hare. I mean, I'm not rostering any of these old guys and their um, you know geriatricness they got going on. That's how I love sixty five. Not dealing with it. All right, Freddie's so, very easy to he's very easy to root for, but I, I don't know if it uh, is worth putting your money on to root for him. I completely agree with that. Completely agree. Um, let's get into the top chalk plays. What do you, Jesse, what are you thinking are some of the top chalk plays of the week? I mean, I think DJ ends up being the highest owned um, up top. I think he's easily going to be above and beyond. He probably in Millie Maker is going to be 30 to 40%, which is a lot um, in the Millie Maker. Um, and then, I think probably, surprisingly, the second highest on guy might be Hagwin, to be honest with you. Um, I don't like $100 for a guy who's playing as good as he is. People are going to see that, and they're going to roster DJ Hadwin almost immediately. So you've got to think outside the box. If you're starting there, you're going to have to get real crazy in order to be different. Recent form, Hadwin is the second best player in the world right now. Yep. I've been I've been on having I know Jesse has I don't know if you guys I'm assuming you guys have had some exposure I've been on him since before he won a tournament and I keep thinking as well as he's playing he's so cheap and no one owns him I like, guess insane something so, against Kevin I guess he's gonna be he's <laughs> gonna be chalky he's gonna be chalky if you're playing in higher dollar tournaments Rory might be more owned than DJ I'm talking about three hundred and above. Um, but if you're in lower dollar entry fees, DJ is going to be the highest price or the highest owned, I think, by far. What are some of the chalk you're looking at, Kevin? Yeah, I tend to agree. I think DJ is by far going to be the, the highest owned. Um, just looking at the top tier guys, you, I told you this before we went on air, but it's it's so hard to believe that Spieth is priced higher than DJ right now. Um, I think people will see that and will instantly just dump, jump to DJ. Um, other than that, I think there'll be a lot of ROM exposure. I think um, recent form and, and the fact that uh, um, his name is so popular right now, he'll be owned quite a bit, especially being under $9,000. And then after that, it's pretty wide open. You know, it's it's almost a really small WGC-type feel. With You're not going to roster any of the lowest guys. I mean, no one's going to go on there. And roster Larry Mize, Sandy Lyle, Marco Mira, um, 
Ian Wu's known, you're not going to see much of that. So the, the, the field's really reduced by a lot. Um, so the, the ownership numbers will be higher than, uh, than you're used to. What's the cut here? Is the cut here top 50? and Low 50 and ties. Yeah, or within 10, 10 strokes of the lead. Okay. Top 50 ties within 10 strokes. So you'll see a ton of guys. I think it might be um, one of the highest events that have six of six making the cut. Yeah. So not only do you have to have all six guys, you're probably going to have to have three or four guys inside the top ten to, to make a bunch of money. Interesting. Sheridan, what's some of the chalk uh, you're looking at, maybe outside of DJ? I'm kind of leaning towards um, seeing a lot of Ricky lineups, uh, especially in lower dollar tournaments. I think um, he's kind of one of those people that seems like the younger crowd tend to root for. Uh, he's just got that flash, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him higher owned. Um, you know, outside of that, I'd say agree with Jesse. Lower lower dollar amounts, again, you probably see a lot of Rory. Um, I think a lot of people want to see him get it done. Um, so those are the two guys I think I'll be seeing some chalk in, especially in lower dollar plays. Okay, Jesse, what's your top dart of the week? I already mentioned him, but uh, this is this is – I'm not saying go all in on this guy by any means whatsoever. But my dude, Jung Hung Wang, I'm telling you, he's going to be sneaky. He's right down there at 6,900, right beside Hadwin. So everybody's going to be clicking Hadwin, Hadwin, Hadwin. And Fleetwood's going to be popular as well. I think he's a good pivot. Do not go all in on him, please. <laughs> I'm don't blow up your Twitter handle either. <laughs> you can find him at DFS Golf Gods. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I'm glad you clarified I'm that. telling you, I've just got a feeling about this guy. <laughs> when I do the baseball DFS, like I say, okay, there's these guys, but do not unload your bankroll on them, please. Like, this is why they are a dart. This is why they're a dart. <laughs> Kevin, what are you looking at as your dart? Well, a guy that not many people are going to talk about, but he's playing well and he's had some okay course history when he does play Augusta. Is uh, is Charlie Hoffman, mm. um, seventy one hundred. Um, he's not afraid to go as low as anyone when he gets that putter rolling. He's uh, he's pretty sneaky play, I think. It, um, you know, you got names out of like Duffner and Ryan Moore and Webb Simpson and, and guys that people identify more with, JB Holmes. Um, and so you see Kevin Na and, and guys like that, and you think, man here's a good opportunity to go ahead and take a guy like Charlie Hoffman who's playing better than all those guys right now. And uh, he'll probably be a lot lower on than, than most of those guys in that price range. Real quick, what's your thoughts on JB I'm sorry, on who? On JB Holmes. I like JB. It's a big cut though. I, I'm not quite sure if I'd, uh, I'd have a lot on him. He played well there last year. Um, but I, I won't be on JB very much, if at all. Okay. And Sheridan, what's your dart? Supreme dart, Scott Pearson. I like it. I was looking at him when you guys were talking about the lower price guys. I'm glad <laughs> you mentioned Pearson. Kevin mentioned Hoffman. Those are two guys I had listed. I said, I'll, I'll ask you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> this is beautiful. Okay. Before we get on to the last part, um, I wanted to mention something because – Correct me if I'm wrong. Has a first timer ever won at Augusta? 
It's been a, mm, over 50 years, I believe. Yeah, okay. Because here's a list, people, if you're curious. Pat Mayo tweeted this out. John Rahm, Hatton, Peters, Norin, Hadwin, Summerhays, and Swafford. Most of those will be very popular. Does that dis, does that like dissuade you guys from playing them at all? Or some of those guys you could probably still see a f- top five, top ten out of, which will still help your team because they're all yeah. eighty or below. You're not trying to. You're not expecting those guys to win. You just want them to make the cut and maybe top twenty or something like that. So I, I, I I'm not worried about the, you know the, the only the really the only really big question mark is do you want to pay up for John Rom at eighty six hundred. Because he he's got to get top ten in order to really pay off his salary, and is that is that is possible? I mean, I think so. Is he going to win? Probably not. But you know, he's he's a very good golfer, so who knows? The only guy on that list I know I won't play is Summer Hayes. Yeah, agreed. I think one guy I don't know if you mentioned him or not, but Fleetwood um, never played, but I think wouldn't be surprised if see him in top ten finish. Yeah. I like a lot of the Euro guys. I've used them quite a bit in recent tournaments as they've been over here. Um, I know Grayson Murray disagrees and says <laughs> they're over here because they're not that good. But they seem to perform when they're here, at least most of them do, and they seem to putt pretty well. And I know you guys said this is you need to be able to freaking putt pretty good at this place. So I like how Jesse mentioned earlier and you guys have talked about. There's some uh, some sneaky Euros I pay attention to. I, I, it seems like every tournament I do an all-Euro roster these days, and it's, it's interesting. But a guy, another, another guy you know, that's really super um, – he missed the cut last year, but he played very, very well this past weekend. The only reason I know this is because he was on my FanDuel lineup and I was sitting there sweating him. Um, Andy Sullivan, 7,000. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not he, – like I said, missed the cut here last year, but he played really, really well the last two rounds at the Houston Open – and the other thing is too, if it's windy, you got to look at guys who are used to playing in wind. You know, so Matt Fitzpatrick speaks to that. I think he'd be a good play too. So would you? Would you say looking at guys that play good, like at the Open Championship, obviously, right? right. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into your picks, guys. That you guys might play to win top tens, whatever you guys are looking at on the board, guys you plan on doing well with. Uh, we'll go reverse order here. Sheridan. So, yeah, wait, they can't take all your picks. Sheridan, <laughs> what, what what are you looking at um, kind of gambling-wise if you're going to – if you're going to, you know, place a wager and it was legal and all? If I was in a situation like that, uh, I'd probably have to sprinkle a little bit on Martin Keimer. Um, obviously, Jesse's giving me a hard time for Rafa. Um, but I think I'd also – like to take a little bit on um, Terrell Hatton. I think those are my three kind of long shot, sprinkle some in, maybe hit, uh, try and catch them each way, you know, win top five, top ten. Uh, those would probably be my three guys. And if you're going to give me odds on Hadwin, at, uh, I think I saw him 80 to one, wouldn't be a bad one to sprinkle on either. Ooh, I like that. Uh, but I have a hard on for Hadwin, so that's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> Uh, Kevin, you're, you always have all kinds of picks, so I'm looking forward to this. My notes are ready. So what, what do you have? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm still working on it. You'll see it on Twitter soon. But um, I am definitely already on Phil and Sergio. Um, took that a while Sergio? back. Guys, I think I got Sergio at uh, 35 to 1. 
He's yeah, 40 right now. I got, a, I got a 42 to one. So I'm going to have to get back on there and get some more, I'm afraid. That's not good. Um, <laughs> they have you hooked. But I'm afraid that I will be fading Keimer in any head-to-head that I can find, depending on who he's playing against. Um, and hope it works out for one of us. Maybe maybe I'll get all the ties in the head-to-head, and you guys will win it outright somehow. <laughs> um, but I, I, and I, I love Keimer. I, I play him a lot. And uh, – I like his game. I just I can't do it around Augusta. I've, I've heard him say in person um, that he just doesn't think he can win there because he doesn't draw it enough. And um, you know when he was dominating there for a while, he he changed his game to try and purposely hit the draw, and he went in the shitter for a while. Mm. Yeah, um, so I it's tough. yeah, yeah. It, um, stuff like that kind of sticks with me probably a little bit too long. Um, but those are those are a couple guys I'm definitely on. I, I got DJ at ten to one a few uh, a few weeks ago. Last I saw, he was six and a half or seven. So I, I kind of like having uh, five and a, half. a little bit. Five and a half. Yeah. Hey Kevin, what's your stance on Henley after his performance this last week? I like him a lot. Is he in the field? Like, is he is his yeah. exemption for next year? I think it's for no. next year. I've been searching for him. I don't know if maybe they just didn't include him for this because it was it was late for DraftKings. But for uh, for betting wise, um, the guy's got all the confidence in the world. Um, one of my good friends used to teach him some and uh, taught him when he won his first tour event. Um, the guy is uh, is unbelievably good, and he's going to win a lot more times on tour. And and uh, his confidence is going to be as high as anyone coming into this week. So I, I would not be afraid to play him uh, to win top five, top ten, whatever you want. I'm pretty sure I saw it tweeted out. Sorry. I'm pretty sure I saw it tweeted out where he's a, like, top option for alternate this year because of the win. I think his exemption is for next year. Okay. No, he's in. He's in. They'll, they'll just, they won't add him in DraftKings till tomorrow. They're adding in, like, three or four more people besides him tomorrow. But yeah, they, they got, they've got odds up right now on Bavada 101. Hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty darn good number. Well, now, now that we're talking about Henley, what DraftKings price would you need to play him? Well, <laughs> looking at all those names, I you figure he's probably going to be priced what 7,800 or so, I'd say. I would I would put him more in the seventy three. Yeah, seventy two, seventy three is kind of where I was leaning. I wouldn't be afraid of. I wouldn't hesitate one bit to play Russell Henley this week. Perfect, Jesse. What kind of picks are you making for the Masters? Um. So the, well, the reason we talked about Keimer is that's that's one hundred percent my fault because he had a really good round <laughs> I think a couple weeks ago, and and I called up Sheridan and I was like, dude, right now, do it, hammer him, and we did. And this was before, like, even uh, – he just, he just looked so good to me. Anyways, so um, we're, we're already on Keimer. But, um, you know, I, I would look at, you know, for long shots, for punts, um, you know, I'm not a big – myself, I'm not a big single bet guy. Um, but, like, some odds I could get behind would be Sullivan at 175 to 1. Um, you know, Webb Simpson, 200 to 1. I don't think that's a bad price at all um, for him. And, you know, uh, you know, you could even sprinkle a little bit maybe potentially on a guy like 
Swafford at 200 to one. Um, and if you can get some top 10 odds on something like him, he, you know, you never know when he could get hot. Um, he could also miss the cut, but I think, you know, you just don't know. So I, I don't know. I'm not betting. I probably won't single bet this whole entire thing. Um, but those would be the guys, if I'm looking at some punts, I would, I would take a chance on. Sweet. Well, that pretty much covers everything. I wanted to mention to people that um, on DraftKings, there's the Millie Maker, it's $33 entry, 150 max, or the new thing they've been doing in basketball, some baseball and golf, the $3 birdie is up to 600000 for the Masters, and it's only a 20 max entry. So for the, um, the just average players or whatever, just want to have some fun, you can still – you don't have to get overwhelmed with the, uh, the pros that have 1,000 – entries it feels like in there so something to think about i know the the prize isn't as high on top but still if i won the 600k three dollar birdie i would be just fine with life so <laughs> yeah 50 50k would be okay to take yeah, out three dollars yeah. yeah the million's cool and all i get it but just throwing it out there um it's, any last words guys? As well so i would check those out as at the same time and i i have a feeling that it's they're not going to fill, but we'll see. They haven't been filling lately. Uh, anything else, gentlemen, before we call it a day? No, thanks for doing this. No, thank you yeah, for coming on, guys. Awesome. I appreciate it. I love talking golf. Like I said, everybody thinks I'm just like a baseball junkie, which I am. Don't get me wrong. But I love golf. It is a big passion of mine, and I'm just – I'm getting more educated by talking to you guys on the side, and it's it's a lot of fun. But um, I'm glad you guys could join me, Sheridan. It was a pleasure getting to meet you. Um, Thank you, guys. We'll definitely – maybe we'll, uh, we'll – let's shoot for doing this every major if that works for you guys. We'll do a little little fun roundup on this. it be fun. Um, Amen. But, again, you can find Kevin on Twitter at Kevin's Delight, Jesse at DS, DFS Golf Gods, and Sheridan is at SSims715. Guys, it was awesome. I appreciate it. and. Um, We'll definitely do this again, and enjoy your uh, your voyage on Tuesday. I'll be working and very jealous of what's taking place. I can't even tweet you because you can't have phones. <laughs> right. <laughs> but hey, the, note, the notepad will be out, and we'll be sure to tweet out a few updates on uh, some things we've seen as we peruse the grounds with the fellow patrons. That's what I was, that's what I was telling Jesse because he said he wanted to live tweet. I said, well, I saw – Kenny Kim from the Fantasy Golf Degenerates, he's going to have a notepad. He's going to come back and just go ape shit on his phone afterwards. <laughs> but if you're having beers and eating sandwiches, just have some fun. <laughs> I wouldn't even worry about whatever you yeah, want to have do. Great time. If we have any money left over after we go to the pro shop. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm really – yeah. But, um, again, guys, thanks a ton. Uh, we will do it again. And, everybody, that was Benched with Bubba. Episode 33, your master's preview. We will catch you guys next time.